It is Friday, February 9th, and normally, of course, you hear the podcast at this time. Today, our agency is off at a full staff retreat, so instead, we bring you this deep dive interview. One of the jobs of a marketer is to instill in the consumer a sense of trust. Trust in the brand, trust in the product or service, and trust in how the company handles their personal data. The latter job is often fulfilled by putting a privacy notice on the site. Sometimes we do it because it's the law in our country, sometimes in an effort to show people we are a responsible company. But are we shooting ourselves in the proverbial foot? That's what Aaron Bruff and his colleagues set out to discover. Dr. Bruff is an associate professor of marketing at the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. He is the co-author of a scientific research study called The Bulletproof Glass Effect, Unintended Consequences of Privacy Notices. And he joins me from his office in Logan, Utah. Dr. Brock, welcome. Thanks, Todd. Good to be here. All right, let's start with the top line findings. What were those unintended consequences? Yeah, so we set out trying to understand how consumers respond to privacy notices. And so as part of the research, we, we surveyed managers across different industries. And a large majority of these managers expected privacy notices to help customers feel more secure. But it turns out their intuition was flawed. So we conducted a series of six experiments involving nearly 20,000 people. And we compared consumers' interest in purchasing from a website or an app that either included or didn't include a privacy notice. And one of the things we found is that telling customers how their personal data is protected can undermine consumer trust and discourage them from making a purchase. So I like to compare it to going to an elementary school and seeing bulletproof glass and metal detectors, right? Their purpose is there to protect you, but instead of making you feel safe, they could make you feel more more vulnerable. It's interesting because that's counter to, I think, everything that is both instinctive as marketers and and everything that's taught as well. Like, it, you would think that the more we layer on sort of, you know, we'll take care of your data, the more secure people feel. Yeah, and, and you know, so certainly this does challenge that intuition, right? That the telling consumers how their personal data will be protected is going to be good for business. Um, and and for most firms and privacy advocates, that's not great news. Uh, as researchers, my co-authors and I are definitely supportive of respecting consumers' privacy, and we want to encourage firms to be responsible and transparent in their data practices. So another thing we looked at after kind of initially discovering this is how could we provide actionable guidance to managers on how to effectively convey privacy information without hurting purchase interest? And so we tested how changes in the wording of a privacy notice affected consumers' willingness to purchase. And we found that consumers were less turned off by privacy notices that included what we call benevolence cues. So those would be things, statements like, we care about protecting your privacy, or we respect you and promise to treat you fairly, or we're committed to the protection of your information. And the interesting thing is that although these statements don't offer any legal protection to consumers, they do seem to help build trust by conveying to consumers that companies have good intentions. And so adding these benevolence cues to a privacy notice can reduce or even reverse its negative effects on purchase interest. I think the example that you used in the study was that you, you changed the phrase, we collect your information, to we protect your information. Um, did you study how people's purchase intent changed when you made substitutions like that? 
Yes. Yeah, so, in fact, in one study, people uh, were more likely to buy a product when a privacy notice had these benevolence cues than when a privacy notice did not include comforting language or when privacy information wasn't readily available at all during the checkout process. One of your studies came from a test that you did on a financial services website, like a real site, one that's in the market. Can you walk us through what you tested and what you found? Sure. So, you know, there was surprisingly little previous research about how privacy notices affect consumers' purchase decisions. And as far as I know, we conducted the first published field experiment looking at this issue with actual customers. So the company we partnered with was BorrowWell, which is a Canadian financial technology firm with over a million users. And to sign up for BorrowWell's service, visitors have to complete a nine-step enrollment process that involves providing some sensitive personal information. Uh, They have to give things like their name, their address, birth date, phone number, income, financial goals, and access to a credit report. And so each prospective customer who visited the site was randomly assigned to one of two conditions. In the control condition, only a hyperlink to Borrowwell's privacy policy was provided on the first screen of the sign-up process. In the other condition, the link was preceded by an explanation of Borrowwell's commitment to the protection of customers' personal information. And as predicted, enrollment was significantly lower in the condition with the detailed description of privacy protections than in the control condition that included only a privacy policy link. And so these results suggest that prominently displaying detailed privacy protections can drive consumers away, which could end up costing Borrowwell hundreds of thousands of dollars per year in lost revenue. Uh, We conducted this study over a seven-day period, and so if you extrapolate... That's kind of the estimate for what they could stand to lose. One of the things I thought was interesting is that you found that while people might be less willing to buy something uh, after seeing a a privacy notice, their perception of the value of that product didn't actually change. Did that surprise you? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the thing that surprised me the most is that consumers are more likely to purchase from a company that makes no promises regarding the protection of consumer privacy than from one that is transparent uh, in describing its data practices. And, and the reason for that is that a privacy notice places legally enforceable limits on a firm's data practices. It communicates safeguards, and it might be, protect, it might be expected to promote confidence uh, that one's personal data will not be misused. Uh, but, you know, as I said, instead of making people feel more secure, we found that it, that it does undermine trust and purchase interest. And, and yeah, it doesn't change the value, uh, but it does change uh, the, the willingness that they have to, to pay for that product. And, and I was also surprised uh, that something as seemingly trivial as including benevolence cues in the privacy notice, you know, these subtle changes that we make to the language could counter the negative effects. Yeah. Were there any significant differences between generations or genders? No. So we looked at age and gender as uh, covariates, uh, meaning, you know, we we tried to see if there were differences across those variables, and we didn't find any. I don't often laugh when I'm reading um, scientific journals (laughs) or scientific uh, papers, but I did chuckle a little bit because one of the uh, test variations that you did that I thought was clever you know, we've talked about sort of the, the two A, B tests that you've done before with, with this financial services. But one of your tests included a third option beyond 
there's a privacy policy link and I read it and there was no privacy policy link at all. And that third option was that you had a link to a privacy policy, but when people clicked it, the web browser just barfed back a file not found error. So people were aware that there was a privacy policy, but they didn't get to read it. How did that change people's purchase intent? Yeah, so I think, you know, um, that was actually a study that didn't make it into the published paper. Uh, that was one of the earlier studies that we ran. And, um, you know, one of the reasons it didn't make it into the published paper is because I think uh, one issue could have been that people are um, thinking there might be some kind of problem with the site, right? If they can't get a link to their privacy policy to work properly, then maybe there's other you know, incompetence in their ability to, you know, manage my personal data. And so that was kind of an alternative explanation for the results of that study. And so we we ran some subsequent studies to to be cleaner tests uh, that wouldn't be susceptible to that alternative explanation. Right, right. You know, a lot of of people who are listening to the podcast, um, people who manage e-commerce sites and so on, they don't have control this like level of granularity of control over whether there's a privacy box what it says um you know that sort of thing so for those people like like i'm thinking people who use you know kind of like a preset theme in shopify or something like that for those people is there any way to counter the loss in purchase intent yeah that's a good question um i think you know anything that you can do to build consumer trust and to let them know that you that you care about them, that you're committed to, you know, not only uh, competently protecting their privacy, but also that you have their best interest in mind and at heart. Um, I think any kind of cues that you can give along those lines uh, should be effective. Um, but you know, you're sometimes limited by the platform uh, in terms of the extent that you can use to to you know communicate these cues. Yeah. Well, and let's go the other way. Like, like if someone has full control over their site and they can choose whether a privacy notice appears or doesn't appear, is it you're finding that they should just not show one? No, I would say the the finding is if you incorporate benevolence cues into your privacy policy, uh, we found that in some cases it can actually be beneficial. So it can actually increase purchase intent beyond what it would be in the absence of any privacy communication. Uh, the downside or the, the thing you want to avoid is having a privacy notice that does not include benevolence cues. And as part of the research, one of the things that we did is we uh, looked at a random sample of privacy notices of companies listed on the NASDAQ stock exchange, and we found that benevolence cues were, in fact, quite rare. So one of the things that I hope that our research will prompt more companies to do is to include language in their privacy notices that communicates caring and fosters consumer trust uh, so that consumers are, are more willing to uh, provide that information and do business with the companies, but the companies are not discouraged from you know, being transparent in what they're doing with the, companies, with the customer's personal data. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. 
So what, what would be like the perfect, like if you could, if you were VP of policy or VP of privacy or whatever for, for an e-commerce company and the CEO said, you've got a day, design for me the perfect privacy apparatus as it is forward facing to the consumer. What does it look like? How, is it a box? Is it a pop-up? How big is it? Tell me the words to use. Yeah, that's the million-dollar question, right? <laughs> if it is, no. or more. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that uh, you know, there's there's obviously no you know solution that fits all um, different situations, and I think some of that's going to be dictated by the by the situation and the context. Uh, but I think the the key results from our research are do things that build consumer trust, um, and so you know, in addition to conveying that you will protect their information, make sure that you're communicating how much you care about their privacy and how much you care about them. Uh, but I think, you know, from other privacy research that I'm familiar with that other people have conducted, I think there are a lot of best practices out there in terms of, you know, being very um, concise, uh, you know, trying to avoid jargon that people aren't going to understand, uh, but to be very open and transparent about uh, what you're doing and, and explaining to them why you're collecting this data, how it will be used, and what the benefits are to them uh, of your collecting this information. So if you're collecting, you know, uh, a particular piece of information, explaining, uh, you know, that this might allow you to customize the, the product or the experience uh, to their needs, right, that can be a, a way to, uh, to help. What surprised you the most about your findings? Well, like I said earlier, I think, you know, one of the biggest surprises was um, just the fact that, that people would be so willing to give up their personal data without any promise that it will be protected, right? Uh, when I first started doing this research, I looked at some, some of the most popular apps uh, on the App Store, and this was before there was regulation that, they, that required them to have privacy policies. And some of the most popular apps for finance or for fitness, where you're entering, you know, health, personal health information uh, or medical conditions or things like that, or you're entering financial data, um, there were no privacy policies on those apps. And I thought that was shocking, frankly. And, um, and then the other thing that I think is surprising, like I said earlier, is that I think, you know, just changing the language slightly can reduce these negative effects that we've observed of, of bringing privacy information kind of to the forefront of people's minds. It's interesting because, you know, I think a lot of people in the industry, I mean, obviously they're used to multivariate testing um, and, and there's lots of things that we test. There's image, there's the color of buttons. You know, Google once tested 32 different shades of blue for their hyperlinks. I don't know that many people would consider testing the privacy portion of that and yet as, as you discussed you know it's it, it's pretty critical to the to the whole thing what, what made you want to study this yeah so I think part of it was you know noticing this about the apps uh, I've done some other privacy research um, you know so I have a couple of recently published papers where we look at the implications of the pandemic for privacy um, one effect of the pandemic is that there's been this large pool of personal data that's been generated that was not previously available. And that's partly due to increased collecting and sharing of consumer information by governments and businesses, but it's also partly due to an increase in online activities and voluntary self-disclosure by people who are isolated. 
and we identify some opportunities, challenges, and open questions uh, that this poses for both consumers and marketers. Uh, in another paper, we look at the need to consider both individuals' motivation to protect their personal information, but also their knowledge of how to do so. Uh, a lot of the research in privacy looks either at motivation or at knowledge, but not at both. Uh, and in fact, many consumers are fairly privacy illiterate. Um, they're not able to accurately predict how they will respond to privacy threats. And so in order to do that, uh, we need to consider not only their motivation, but also their familiarity with privacy-related issues. So to answer your question, you know, privacy has been something that I've been interested in for a while now. Uh, I'm working on it from several different angles, and that's kind of what got me thinking about privacy notices. As I said, I'm an advocate of uh, transparency in privacy practices. I think it's uh, ethical for companies to disclose how they are going to be using consumers' uh, personal information. And as a consumer, I want my personal information to be protected. And I think there's a lot of benefits that I can get by providing it, uh, but I wanna make sure that I know how they're going to be using it, how, they'll how they will be protecting it. And so, you know, I think privacy notices are important. And, uh, and I think that, you know, as our research shows, they can be very influential in influencing consumer purchases. I'm curious, given that your research sort of focuses around privacy and the web and e-commerce and so on, has has your research or your experience in this changed the way that you move through the web as a consumer? You know, it it has a little bit, uh, but I'm I'm like everyone else, I think, where I often don't read uh, privacy notices all the way through, especially if they're long and full of technical jargon. Uh, but I have become more aware of it, I think. I've been particularly more aware of their absence, right? And I think that's the thing that, that a lot of people, you know, they're just, when they're shopping, they're not always thinking about privacy. And so that's the, the thing that kind of started us off on doing this research is that the absence of a privacy notice doesn't usually send up red flags to consumers, but it should, because what that means is they're making no promises. They could be collecting any data from you and making no promises about how it'll be protected or used. And so I think privacy notices are there to protect us. And so I just want to make sure that uh, companies have a way of communicating that in a way that won't hurt their business, because otherwise it, they're, they're you know, essentially given an incentive not to convey that information, which I think hurts you know, consumers overall. I hate to say it. I'm one of those people who, when I arrive at a website and it has the privacy banner, probably GDPR inspired, you know, where where there's a big accept everything button and then a big customize your choices button. And then, you know, I usually click that. I like to think I'm privacy aware. I run the Brave browser. I run a VPN on all my devices. But yet that accept all button <laughs> is so tantalizingly easy to click. Maybe um, maybe this will eventually change all of us. It's certainly interesting research. I'm, I'm super delighted that you could share it with us. Aaron Bruff is an associate professor of marketing at the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University. His study is called The Bulletproof Glass Effect, Unintended Consequences of Privacy Notices. Dr. Bruff, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Todd. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.